again, and we'll start looking at the, the subject that we started last week about, about this evil spirit. And the reason, uh, who asked, was it you, Andrew? Andrew asked the question about the evil spirit, and when I think about this, the reason I think it was a good topic to cover is because it simply says that God sent an evil spirit. And my question would be, well, if God sends evil spirits, would he send me an evil spirit? And if God sends evil spirits, on what category, on what basis does he send an evil spirit? And so that's why I thought we'd look at this. So let's go ahead and open our Bibles up again to 1 Samuel, and we'll begin looking at this again. Now, there's, there's several places in, in Scripture. They all are about Saul, and they all come mostly out of 1 Samuel. And they come out of 1 Samuel, and they talk about, about this evil spirit. As far as my searching, there's no other place in Scripture where it talks about that I've seen, there's no other place in Scripture that talks about God sending an evil spirit. And the three places of text that we have about Saul receiving this evil spirit from the Lord is in 1 Samuel 19, and that was the last time that the Word of God spoke about uh, Saul having an evil spirit. And then the, the, another time was in 1 Samuel 18, and it says, and it came to pass on the morrow that the evil spirit from God came upon Saul. The very first mention of, of Saul having an evil spirit was shortly after uh, the prophet basically told him that God's going to take this kingdom and you as king away from you and is going to give it to another man. Actually, I'm going to give it to a man that is after my heart. The contrast between those two, that's worthy of a study in itself. Here you have Saul, the, the first anointed king, and yet he was never a king that, that had faith in God personally. If you ever, when you read and study him, you always see him, the, the good things that he did, he was a king for a long time. Anybody recall how long of a king he was? Yeah, 40 years. I mean, that's a, that's a good long time to be king. And there's a lot of good things that he did. He established the kingdom. God used him in that way. But he never, he never turned his heart to the Lord. He never had real trust in God. And that's evident because he never followed the Lord's word. The last thing that God had said to him was, through the prophet Samuel, listen, Saul, you go, take the people, and prepare there for me, and when I come, I will bring an offering, and I will sacrifice. And when Saul, uh, Samuel got there to make the sacrifice, Saul had already done it. And I think his reasoning was, the people kind of made me do it. He, he, he had no character in himself, and no no qualities of godliness at all. And so this evil spirit that came on Saul came right after he was notified 
when he had made that sacrifice, Samuel said, God's going to take this kingdom from you and give it to a man that is actually after his heart, that has a desire for God. And what he, Samuel was saying is, Saul, unlike you. All right? And so after that happened, you come to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and that's where we can read. We, I think we read it last week, but that's where we'll, just to give us a, a, a stepping stone this morning of this text, that's where we'll read now. As soon as God uh, took the kingdom from him, the Bible says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Lord left him. Now, the Spirit of God cannot leave a believer today because he doesn't work that way. And I explained, we took a lot of time last week to explain how the working of the Holy Spirit was in the Old Testament. It specifically came upon whom he came upon and left when he wanted to leave. The only rhyme or reason to where the Spirit of God abode on a person at was the fact that God desired that. It had nothing to do with the spirituality or lack of spirituality of the individual. And, uh, and, and so the Holy Spirit would come and it would go for the main purpose of doing something. When the Spirit of God came on someone, it was to accomplish a task. The Bible says that um, the Spirit of the Lord was upon David until the very end. The Bible says of like Sam, um, Samuel, the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. As far as I can tell, it never left him. John the Baptist, the very last Old Testament prophet. Does anybody recall when the Holy Spirit actually came upon John the Baptist? Say it again. Uh, I'm hearing rumblings. Say louder. Where did it come on? In the womb. All right, let's just take a moment and have a commercial break. The Holy Spirit came upon John the Baptist in the womb. I think John was three months in the womb. Renee, do you recall? When Mary visited Elizabeth, six months. Okay, six months in the womb. Now, already the Spirit of the Lord is coming on a six-month-in-the-womb child. It just goes to show me that even though he's six months old from the womb, at the point of conception, that, that fetus, that embryo or whatever it is, it's a child, folks, okay? At that very moment, it is created in the image of God. It's just going through a growth period, right? Just 10 months, basically, of, of growing before it's ready to come out into this world. I'm glad God doesn't chop us off when we're in the growing period. Amen? You know, he, he allows us to grow. And yet, we want to have abortion. Not we, but, you know, people do abortions, and they're ending a life. That child is a life, and it just... It amazes me. I think about it. You know, people even now, six months is what? 24 weeks? You realize they can do, they have do abortions at 28 weeks, I think. Am I, am I wrong about that? Late, called late-term abortions? 28 weeks. Do you know a baby born at 28 weeks can survive? My baby sister was about 28 weeks premature, and she's in her 40s now. I've heard of babies 
as little as, what, 23 or something? I mean, size of a baby in the hand, amen? Surviving and, 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 and growing into a big person, amen? So that's the commercial break. But the Holy Spirit came upon and left according to the purpose, plan, and will of God. Differently in the, in the New Testament. In the New Testament, when you become saved, all right, New Testament, age of grace, Holy Spirit only comes on saved people. It only indwells saved people. It doesn't indwell or come upon and power on anyone else except in unbelievers as conviction. Okay, the Holy Spirit will convict. Yes, Rosa. If you give me a minute, I hope to answer that today. Okay? So, you understand, right? The Holy Spirit. Now, the evil spirit came upon Saul only after when the Holy Spirit departed. Alright? You've got to keep those two distinctions. He no longer had the Spirit of God on him. It left. God said, I take the kingdom. His Spirit removed from him. And he no longer had that effect on his life. And it kind of makes sense, because, you know, in the latter parts of his life, it seemed like he kind of lost his mind a little bit. You know, he really went off the deep end, and, and so that spirit of God removed. So in 1 Samuel 16, verse 14, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. And Saul's servants said unto him, Behold, now an evil spirit from God troubles him. Let our Lord now command thy servants which are before thee to seek out a man who is a cunning player on a harp. And it shall come to pass when the evil spirit from God is upon thee that he shall play with his hand and thou shalt be well. Okay. God is a pretty amazing God, is he not? These people surrounding Saul... They realized that the Spirit of God had departed from him, and they realized there was a demonic spirit that was afflicting him, probably both mentally and physically. We don't know exactly sure, but probably in both cases that demonic spirit was doing that. Those people around Saul said, let's get somebody who can play a, a, a music instrument and to soothe his spirit. Who did they end up getting? Except for the one, the one whom God spoke of by saying through the prophet, God has picked himself out a man who's after his own heart. I mean, that's not coincidence. That's providence, isn't it? Don't you know that God works through the affairs of man? There, there aren't coincidences. There aren't, well, this good thing just happened to happen. These things are providential occurrences of God. God works in the lives of human beings. He just does. And it blows my mind. Saul didn't love God. Probably a lot of the people that were around him had no desire for God in his, in his realm. Because what do you do? You keep people by you who are like you. I mean, we all do that. So I imagine, though God's word doesn't say, that these were probably not the most spiritual of people. And yet, through them enters David. It all had to be that way. And so David comes in, and, and that's a whole different story. But now what we see is this evil, the Holy Spirit left, and an evil spirit came upon him. 
the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And we've explained how the Spirit of God worked. It did that. It wasn't an unusual occurrence. But when the Spirit of the Lord would leave the people, you see that what the Spirit of God came upon them to do was finished. Okay? God wasn't using them in that way anymore. When God needed in the period of judges a judge, the Spirit of God would come on, and when he was done, the Spirit of God would remove. We read the scriptures last week. We won't read them today, but you can go and study Judges chapter 3, verses 9 and 10, and look at the judge Othniel. You can look at Judges 6, and you can study Gideon. You can look at Judges 13 and study Samson. And Samson himself is an amazing study. I'll be honest with you. Fellas, if you want to have a good study about Samson and the effects of, of, of sin and different things, you need to go ask Renee for his... Do you still have your study notes on that lesson that you taught, Renee? You need to get your study notes from Renee. Don't make him talk today, though. All right, no talking to Renee today. Use sign language, all right, or write it down. Don't make him talk. He's, he's in a lot of pain from that. But you see that the Spirit of God came and left. I emphasize that because that's the important thought here. Now let's get into concerning this evil spirit on Saul. I'm going to read you some commentators about this evil spirit that Saul received from the Lord. Whether this spirit had sinful or only, only harmful characteristics is uncertain. But what is quite certain is that it was a demonic spirit. This evil spirit from the Lord was a demonic spirit. It was a satanic instrument. Now I want you to keep, I want you to take a hold of Job. Y'all know Job? I want you to take a hold of Job and I want you just to keep him for a moment. Okay? Remember how Job's life went? Satan came. Said, you, hey, yo, that servant you got down there, Job, he only loves you because you keep all the bad from him. And you know the story, right? Keep that in your mind because Job was afflicted, was he not? Job had absolute satanic opposition against him. He had, though I don't think it's called this, but he had an evil spirit against him. Was it from the Lord, or was it allowed of the Lord? Keep, yes, keep that thought in your mind. Put Job in your pocket. Hang on to him. Don't let him go. He'll help you understand. Now, here is Saul in his life, rejected of the Lord, not because God rejected him, but because he rejected God. Amen? He rejected God. Now, here is Saul made a terror to himself. The Spirit of the Lord departed from him. He, Saul, forsake or forsook God, and he forsook God's duty. God, in a way of righteous judgment, withdrew himself from assisting Saul. He took away the good spirit with which Saul was directed, that Saul had um, courage, Saul had um, uh, a power upon him to lead his people, 
Saul was able to prophesy, was he not? After he was anointed and the Spirit of God came on him, they went, whoa, Saul's one of the prophets? That can't be. He's not of that family. Well, the Spirit of the Lord enabled him to do that. So now here Saul is, the commentator says, has made a terror to himself. The Spirit of God has gone from him. So that means all that which the Spirit of the Lord did in his life is now absent. When he would go up against an enemy, he felt encouragement and courage against the enemy because of that Spirit of the Lord. But he lost all these good qualities in himself because they weren't actually of his own character. They were only a result of the Spirit of God that was in his life. But he rejected the Lord. He made it, he made it a well-known fact that he did not have a heart for God. Now, this was the effect of rejecting God. This evil spirit that was afflicting him was the result of him rejecting God. And it was also the evidence of him being rejected by God. Hold that thought and let's go back and remember. What was the evidence that Saul was anointed king and that he could be king of these people? What was the evidence of it? Remember the story? Samuel anoints him and then what happens? He goes out and he prophesies. The Spirit of God came on him. That act of prophesying by the Spirit of the Lord was the evidence to the people all around him that God was upon him. And therefore, he could be the king and lead the nation. Well, now that is gone. So God allowed this evil spirit to afflict him and to affect him because of his own rejection, but because also to show that God has pulled his hand off of him. You, you know, it was a symbol. It was a, a, a telling of the people, he's not my man. You, you know, and then, you know, they bring in, unknowingly, they bring in the man whom God wants to be king in, right in the midst of David. The spirit of the Lord that was on David or was on Saul now is on David. And that spirit of God upon David was seen by many people, was it not? They said, we need a man that can do this. We need a man that, that God's spirit may be on. We need a man who can do something that cannot be done for our king. The spirit of the Lord upon these men was the, was the sign of God's approval on them for the task that he's chosen them to, to, to do. So when he, it left, that was the sign or symbol. Teresa, this is part of the answer. That was the sign or symbol of God saying, okay, you've rejected me, so I've rejected you. And can I tell you something this morning? That still happens today. People can get to the point so much in their heart where they reject God that God gives them over to that rejection. Do you remember the verse, Brene, where it says that God gives them over to that carnal mindset or that, do, do you remember, do you know the verse I'm talking think so it's 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 totally flipped out of my mind but i think that might be it 
The Bible says that God, when they reject, it's like searing your heart. You get so hardened against the Spirit of God and the Word of God that, well, yeah, you do become fools. But you get so hard that God says, okay, you've rejected me. Please do not think that somebody can just say, well, I'll party all my life, I'll live the way I want, and then, then, then I'll get Jesus into my life and I'll accept him. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. There comes a point and a place in a person's heart where they can say no to God and God will say okay. He'll give him over. Renee's looking for that verse. Thanks, Renee. Keep looking. He'll give him over to those vile affections. He'll give him over to that seared mind. He'll give him over to that. You, you know, folks, this is serious business about the gospel. And people ask me all the time, Pastor, why do you always preach, why do you constantly preach the Gospels on Sunday morning or almost every service when, when the majority of people here are saved? And the answer is, that's why. I preach the Gospel so much because only a majority of the people are saved. Amen? Folks, there's someone sitting in our midst maybe today that doesn't know the Savior. And as God's people, we know what we should be praying that they get saved. And we should be praying that, Lord, please don't let them harden their hearts against you. Let them be tender. Do you know we pray for our kids all the time? Lord, seek them. Save them. Lord, help them to have a heart that listens. You know why Stephen's in America? Not to be punished and not to have a holiday. Stephen's in America so that he can be away from his family and his normality and the things that he knows so that he can hear God's voice. Read, read it. Read it. That, that one's a little bit different. That's not the one I'm thinking about. That has a little bit different context to it. But, but I will find it and tell you, but, but the Bible teaches that he gives us over to that vile mind and, and that seared conscience, and he says, okay, fine, that's what you want, boom, that's what you have, and he'll pull away and he'll stop because you have rejected to the point of saying no. That right there is the sin of, the, of um, blaspheming the Holy Spirit, is rejecting the Spirit of God. And that's the only sin that cannot be forgiven because that's the sin where you say no. No. And you reject the Lord. This is what has happened to Saul. He rejected the Lord. And because of this rejection, he became a terror to himself. Because of this rejection, God signified that rejection by allowing Satan or an evil spirit because they're different. There's only one Satan but there's a multitude of evil angels, evil spirits. And so we don't know if it's Satan or an evil spirit, but we know it's one of those, and they came because God allowed it to come. And so in essence, it is from the Lord because the Lord allowed it. Amen? Do, do, do you get the thought? Yes. Read it. No, that's not it either. 
No, that's not it. Uh, we'll find it. Oh boy, we'll have to. Everybody will be searching on their uh, Bible software during the, after the service is fine. But anyway, the point is, Saul rejected God, and to show that rejection, the Lord allowed an evil spirit. Because do you remember? God cannot sin, right? Right? And what else can God not do? God cannot cause you to sin, right? So God can't send something to Saul to cause him to sin against God. But God would allow that because of the rejection that Saul showed toward God. God took his mercy from Saul and you can read 2 Samuel 7.15 where it says, But my mercy shall not depart away from him, talking about David, as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. For, for when the Spirit of the Lord departs, listen to this, all good goes. 2 Samuel 7.15 When the Spirit of the Lord departs, all good goes. All that restrains maybe that evil spirit is gone. So that evil spirit comes to torment, to harass, and to be a sign to those around that Saul is no longer God's man. Saul by willful sin grieved the spirit of God. And the consequence of this was that an evil spirit from God troubled him. But you need to look at the understanding of the evil spirit from God as God allowed that evil spirit just as God allows people to be, to be tested and tried. And you know what? If we really think about it, God does not tempt us to sin, does he? But he allows us to be tempted to sin. Want to think that through a little bit? Is that true? God allows us to be tempted. What say ye? What do you think? Yeah. I live in this world. And God has not put a wall around us, Danny, that stops all incoming darts. But he's given us the ability to stand against the attacks and, um, what's it say in Ephesians 6? The wiles of the devil, the, the schemes of Satan. He gives us the ability, how? By putting on God's armor and by holding the, spirit of the, uh, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. He gives us the things where we can hold back and stand against that temptation. I think it's in 1 Corinthians 10.13. Can someone read this, find the 1 Corinthians 10.13 for me? Anybody have it yet? 1 Corinthians 10.13. Got it, Danny? Read it loud, please. Do you see, there is no temptation taking you, but such is common to man. That means, look, 
Every temptation that you're going to undergo is what's out there in the world. It's the common temptations. It's, it's, it's the temptations of humanity. That th- There's no temptation taking you but what other people will go through. So you understand other people are going through the same temptation. But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with that temptation make a way for you to escape. That terminology in the Bible to make a way for you to escape. Is that what it says, Danny? So that you may bear it? That, that you may be able to bear it. That, to, to escape. What it means, it means to be able to get to the other side. So in other words, he says, you will not be overtaken by temptation. The, the temptations in this world are common to the humanity. But God with that temptation, God in that presence of that temptation, has allowed a way to escape that temptation. So in every temptation, there is a way out. There is an escape route. And God says, I have done this so that you can get to the other side. Do you know what meaning get to the other side? It means have victory. That means to get through it. That means there might be a time of darkness, but you will get to the other side. That means, folks, you will have victory. God has allowed all that. He hasn't stopped you from being tempted. Just as he doesn't stop this spirit from coming and tormenting Saul. The whole purpose in that was because that Saul rejected God. So, can you say, the reason I'm suffering is God has sent me an evil spirit? No. Can you say that God will cause people to to be like Saul because he will just inadvertently according to his desire, send an evil spirit? No. It all happened because Saul rejected God. It wasn't God who purposed it. It was Saul who rejected God and thereby got this evil spirit. You know, Saul had been anointed by Samuel and he began to prophesy. That prophesying was to show that he was empowered by the Lord to do what he, to do what he had been prophesied to do. So it makes sense that this evil spirit from the Lord was actually allowed of God to show that he was now rejected by God. Okay? And if you remember, people in the Old Testament were saved the same way as we are today, by faith in God. But God did work differently at times in the Old Testament than he did now, and i.e. the Holy Spirit. So when you read in these three places in the Word of God that God sent, you know, God said, man, I'm going to send me an evil spirit on Renee. I just want to do that. That doesn't happen. The reason Saul had it was because he rejected the Lord, and that's why God sent it. Now, three thoughts of application for today, and then, then we're done. Number one, true believers cannot lose the Holy Spirit. You need to know that. True believers, saved, born-again people cannot lose the Spirit of God. You can't find a place in the Bible that shows it. You can't prove from Scripture that they lose the Spirit of God. True saved people cannot happen. So, Christian, you don't have to worry about an evil spirit coming to you, okay, in the sense of of how it came to Saul, because it couldn't happen, all right? Christians don't lose the Holy Spirit, but they can grieve the Spirit of God and not have Him effectively working in their life. 
you would, you would sense a lack of Holy Spirit power in your life when there's sin. That's why when, the first, when I feel far from God, the first thing I do is I examine my life to see if there's sin in my life. Am I doing anything that would cause a grievance to the Spirit of God? You know, the Bible says, look at yourself. David, what does the psalm says? Search me, O God, to see if there is any wicked way in me. You know, and that's what we need to do. Aren't you glad the Spirit of the Lord cannot leave you? Aren't you glad once saved, you are eternally saved? Aren't you? Amen? It's a blessing to me. Ephesians 4.30, it says, And grieve not, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And I love this part. You ought to go to Ephesians 4.30. Okay? Number one, bring your Bible to church and write in that bad boy. Mark it up. Remember things that you hear from the teaching. And in Ephesians 4.30, it says, Grieve not the Holy, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. What is that day? Esther, what's that day of redemption? Amen. When we see Him. When we see Him. When He comes and we see Him. The day of redemption. Our salvation will be fully done in that sense then. We are sealed unto that day. See, as a child of God, you're sealed. That means, you know what it means to be sealed? It means to be sealed, marked, impacted. And you are sealed until that day of redemption. Number two, I see nothing that states in the Bible that we will have an evil spirit from the Lord, but those that reject Christ will be given over to their sin. Then thirdly, again, the Bible says that they've become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. And then the third thing, Christians, I just said it, Christians can't lose their salvation, thereby the Holy Spirit will not and cannot leave you or I. So what is this evil spirit from the Lord? It was simply God allowing this demonic spirit to go against Saul because Saul had utterly and completely rejected God. And that was God's way of showing that he had been rejected also by him. Any other questions to that? And I hope that answers the question. Did that answer your question, Andrew? Amen. Make it easy. That's my only requirement. The easy question is, they were never completely easy saved. Yeah. The Bible says, the Bible says that, that there are two types of Christians. Or the, the Bible says it this way. If you are saved, if you're truly saved, you will follow me. There could, there could be times where people outwardly might show that they followed Christ, but Kirsty, the Bible's clear in Scripture that says they will continue to follow me if they're really saved. Now, there are times when people backslide, and there are times when people get away from the Lord, but you ask specifically the question where they completely and utterly say, 
Do they reject Christ? Or do they say, I'm saved, I'm just not living for him? Because there is a complete difference. I'll tell you a story by a guy by the name of Matt. Y'all remember Joe Tyndall? Joe? Joe worked over here somewhere in Hammersmith uh, with a guy by the name of Matt. Matt's dad and mom, they were in the ministry. Matt's dad was a Baptist preacher. Matt grew up in the church, sang in the choir. He, he did everything, right? But when he got to a certain age, he said, I reject it all. I am now an atheist. I don't believe in God. But he said to Joe, when I was a kid, I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I asked Jesus Christ to come in me and to be, to be my Savior. But in the book of 1 John, I think it is, it says, if you deny that Christ is God, you are not saved. And so a person who was saved and then comes to a point in their life where they deny God, they were never, ever, ever saved. But that's different than a person who was saved and then admits, yes, I've accepted the Lord and I believe but I've chosen not to live outwardly or there's some sin in my life that has caught me. Now here's what I am fearful of. I am fearful of that they were never truly saved. Because you remember there's examples in the Bible where people followed Jesus, where the Bible even says of them, they were a disciple of Christ. Then it says, yet now they, never, they don't walk with him anymore. They've rejected the Lord. In John chapter 2, it says that these disciples of Christ, those who accepted Jesus as a, a um, you know, the Messiah or as, a, as a, someone who's come to save them, here's what Jesus said of them. They believe in me, but I do not believe in them. Do you remember I preached on that a few months back? Those, those are showing that there can be people who outwardly say they're a Christian, but aren't really a Christian. Now, I can't judge the heart of the people you talk about. I don't know their story. All I can tell you is what Scripture says, that, that people who reject God are not saved. That is rejecting God. And I, from Scripture, don't see that that can happen. But then I think what actually needs to be the question, Kirsty, is were they really truly saved? Because outward action doesn't necessarily signify true born-again salvation. Look at people. Have you ever heard of a guy by the name of Oh, he's a famous preacher in America. He's been preaching for 50 years. And it just came out in the news last week that through his, the entirety of his ministry, he molested girls and it, as young as the age of 14 years old, sexually, uh, mentally, physically, everything. Now, I'm telling you, he's gotten up in front of thousands, millions collectively, and preached the Bible, and said, I am a Christian, and proclaimed Christ, and all of that stuff. That man, that man, I don't know how he can be saved. I can't judge him, 
but I question him because the Bible says, the way you will know me is by your fruits. And I think as Christians, sometimes we spend too long a time about talking, well, you know, they prayed a prayer when they were a kid and they truly got saved and, and you know, but they got away from God, but you know, they're saved, but nothing in their life shows that. Is it a backslider? It, it talks about people getting away from the Lord, and there it is true. Peter, but Peter repented and came back. Uh, Paul talks about a guy by the name of Demas and some other people in Scripture who, yeah, I think you guys read it, he gave them over to Satan, you know? I, I just have to say, Kirsty, I'm cautious. I'm very, very cautious of people whose lives... They say, I'm a Christian, but nothing in their life exemplifies Christ. But that doesn't match the Bible. And my answer is this. There are people, Matthew 13, great study. Matthew 13 says, you come to me, you get excited, you're, you're outwardly following me and, and you're serving and you're, you're doing all these things spiritually, Matthew 13. But, no, no, there's, nope, it could be. In, in Matthew 13, there's no determination of time. It, it could, some of it's short, maybe, some of it's long. But the, the, the point of the teaching is this. It is the continuation of following Christ shows you that you're a Christian. Okay? Tell you what we'll do. I'll get some more information, and we won't haphazardly just kiss this off and say, oh, that's enough, time's over. We'll keep at it. And I'll, I'll, I'll look this up. We'll study this more next week since we finished the evil spirit thing, and we'll specifically look at this. You know, can you truly get saved and then completely turn your back and live a different way against God and still be saved. It's in Peter. Yeah. There, there are scriptures that talk about make your, I think it says make your election sure. It looks like it's 2 Peter 1.10. But it's a good question. It's a fantastic question, to be honest with you, because it's the question that a lot of us wonder about. You ever wondered about people who start off living for God and then they fade away, whether or not they're truly saved? I can't hear you. The difference with Solomon is after Solomon came back, okay, Solomon came back. Here, here's what I would do: if if someone if someone I knew was like that, and they they professed the salvation at one point in time in their life, and then they got away completely from God, and then they died, the way I would preach their funeral would be this: I don't know. 
I, I can't put someone in heaven for sure. And, and even when, when people die and, and they've lived this super holy, righteous life, ultimately, only they and God know their heart. But God does says that we can judge or discern by fruit. And when someone has the fruit of the Spirit in their life, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, you know, Galatians 5, 22, 23, when that's there, well, yeah, I'm more confident to say that they're with the Lord. But when that's not there, I'm not confident to say that, with the, that, that they are with the Lord. Could be, but maybe not. Let, let's pray, but I will come back at it next week, okay? And I'll get some scripture and we'll study. And if you have some questions about it, text me and I'll add that into it or email me. And uh, good question. How did I know it wouldn't be an easy question? I, I knew this. I, it just, I said to her, make it easy. She said, I don't know if I can. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we love you. And Lord, thank you that we can come and talk and, and think. And Lord, I just pray. I pray that we can study your word to know and to understand. And Lord, the question that Kirsty asked is actually not only important to know, but it's relevant because there are a lot of people in our world, they, they start out and then they walk away. And Lord, I, I, I think my desire would be to, for all of us to say, I don't, I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to stay. By God's grace, by God's power, by God's working in my life, I will walk. And Lord, I pray for us as Christians today that, that that's what we will do so that when we die, there would be no doubts there would, be, there would be no confusion about our testimony, but our testimony could be said at the end that like Paul, we fought a good fight, we kept the faith, we finished our course. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thank you. You're going to keep me on my toes, aren't you? Good question.